Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Effie Awards. My name is Sean Carter. I'm going to be your MC Hammer, or in my case, maybe an MC Screwdriver or Allen Wrench. Anyway, you get the point. This week, we're going to have four brand new nominees in four different categories. The first nominee, brand new category for us in 2021, Best Supporting Actor in a Criminal Activity. And we give this award every year to lawyers who go the extra mile in customer service. In many cases, the extra green mile. They are so eager to help the client that they end up getting in trouble themselves. Here's a great example of this. And the nominee is the movie Brewster's Millions. Money. Everyone wants it. Until now, Monty Booster didn't have it. They tell me you're my only living relative. But he just made money the old-fashioned way. You have 30 days in which to spend 30 million bucks. He inherited it. If you can do it, you get 300 million. But if you fail, you don't get deadly. Why can't I tell my friends? Because I don't want anybody helping me out. Ah! What's wrong? Spike, what's wrong? 30 million dollars. Man, he's got 30 million dollars. This is a good day, you know. He can't keep it unless he can spend it and have nothing left but the shirt on his back. Well, we're going to have a, a lot of fun with this kind of money. <laughs> Jake, I'd like to hire you as my official photographer. Salary, $10,000 a week. How would you like to be my personal driver for the next 30 days at $5,000 a week? What a country. America, I love it. Hey, everybody, anybody want to go to lunch? This case started a couple years ago when the Washington Federal Bank for Savings in Bridgeport, Illinois, suddenly fails. The regulators come in, take a look, and find out that the bank has been making loans. That's what they're supposed to do. But $82 million of loans have almost no paperwork, no collateral securing them. And they're like, what is going on here? They go to call the bank president to find out what's going on with him, and he's gotten out of here. And I don't mean that he absconded, I mean he commits suicide. But it gets weirder because he hangs himself one of the bank's big customers' homes. Like, what kind of stuff is going on here? They start looking at the biggest customers, the big borrowers of this bank, and find out they're all friends of his. And one of his friends is a lawyer, one of the lawyers in question here. This lawyer has borrowed $29 million from this bank and has not paid a dime of it back. And so the regulators come in and say, hey, I'm glad you've enjoyed the customer service here, but we'd like our money back. And the lawyer says, and this is a Brewster's Million part, I don't have it. I spent it all. I don't have a stamp. I don't, I've nothing but the clothes on my back. I can walk out of here naked if you want, but I don't have any money for you. And like, that can't be true. He says, it's certainly true. He files bankruptcy and claims I have no money. Now, he gets his sister to help him in the bankruptcy. She's a lawyer too. Well, <laughs> for a little while longer. And she's a big part of this here because she starts filing this fraudulent bankruptcy forms for him saying, hey, he is totally broke, doesn't have a dime in his name. And actually, he doesn't have a dime in his name because he's deposited all that money in her client trust account and she's hiding it for him. So he'll have it later. And that is obviously the crux of the problem here. The money is eventually discovered and now the federal charges of bankruptcy fraud are brought. They're pending now. And so these two lawyers, brother and sister, have been temporarily suspended until all of this is worked out. I.e. until they go to jail and then they get suspended again for real. Now the interesting thing here is how the brother sort of drags his sister into this. 
And this is why we deal with this case from the standpoint of the best supporting actor, or I guess in this case, actress, right? But the issue here is that lawyers will often do this with family. I'm going to tell you, if you have to have a family, I don't recommend it. But if you do, you got to understand that sometimes you got to let family go. If mama did a crime, she got to do the time. Because every year we have lawyers who get in trouble for trying to help family out, and particularly brothers. Now, I am a brother, both brother and brother. But I'm going to tell you, if I come to you for help, don't help me. All right, I, I know I did it. I was wrong. So, baby sister, if you're listening, Candace, don't help me. All right, you're just going to get in trouble too. We have this happen all the time. Let me give you an example. Just a couple years ago, we had a case of a lawyer. He gets a call one day from his brother-in-law. Now, brother-in-law is even worse. And the brother-in-law calls him from the Alaska jail. Now, the good news is when you get a call from jail, it announces it's from jail. So you can know not to pick up. Pretend like you don't speak English, right? This lawyer picks it up, talking to his brother-in-law. And brother-in-law says, hey, you got to help me out, bro. You got to help me out. They got me here on some drug charges. And by the way, I've been, you know, I'm slanging my thing. You know, I do my drugs, but I need you to wipe my phone. All the contact, all the information's in there, the evidence. And he's like, I can't wipe your phone. First of all, I'm in Wyoming. He's like, no, no, don't worry about it. We can do this electronically. Right? Satellite over the air. It's the internet, right? Just, you know, pipe in these codes, do this, this, et cetera, et cetera. As if, by the way, this phone call isn't being recorded. The lawyer, unfortunately, I think his wife put him up to it. He messed my baby brother. You can't let my brother stay in jail. And so certainly the lawyer ends up making the big mistake and doing what brother-in-law asked. And we know how this ends. This lawyer ends up getting in trouble with brother-in-law. I'm going to tell you, if you have a brother or brother-in-law, neither one is any good. Don't talk to him anymore. But at the very least, don't do illegal stuff because you're trying to be a good big brother or sister. The next nominee here is in the category of worst temper in a non-legal setting. And we give this for lawyers who act out in a non-legal setting. The movie here is the movie Neighbors. In the movie, a frat moves into a house in this neighborhood and starts being really bad neighbors. In this scene, the neighbors go to the dean of the college to talk to her about the shenanigans that are going on with this frat. I heard they burned down their last house. And they were reprimanded for that. We have a very strict three-strike policy at the school. So they have one strike. If they get two more, then they're out. A strike? Well, listen, the way I do my job is, you know, I'm always thinking about the headlines, right? So Duke lacrosse team rapes stripper. Bad headline. Fraternity keeps couple awake. That's not really even a headline. I don't even think it would make the local police blotter. Get ready to read the headline of the century. Extra, extra, baby swallows condom. That's disgusting. Exactly. The frat's condom. The frat's condom. I have a headline for this. Fraternity practices safe sex. That's a good headline. I could get a raise off that headline. I got a headline for you. Mean Dean doesn't realize that frat is bad for everyone. It's really not. It's very poorly worded. I don't think that would ever make it to print. I don't know where you went to school. I went here, okay? That's why I'm dumb. Now, I don't think the situation we have here is exactly the same. We're dealing with an Illinois lawyer, and I don't know what the dispute is, but ends up committing a criminal act of aggravated battery against one of his neighbors, a woman who is over 60 years old. I don't think that his baby swallowed one of her condoms. I don't know what's going on, but I do know that there's something going on really bad in Illinois because this lawyer beats up a woman in her 60s and still somehow does not even get jail time. He gets two years probation 
Fortunately, the bar is going to step in and do a little something, and they suspend him for a year. But even that makes me wonder, I don't know what's going on here. I do know this. I live in Arizona. I've lived here for 15 years. You know the kind of stuff I put up with from these old people here? Driving slow, blinker on, writing checks in the checkout line. Just crazy stuff. And I have somehow dealt with all of this and not beat up a single elderly person. Why? Because I thought you'd go to jail for that. Had I known you would get away with it, I would have been whooping old people a long time ago. So if you're elderly and you happen to live in Arizona, oh, watch out, I'm gunning for you. Because apparently, you don't get a lot of time. I'm obviously teasing people. I'm also obviously black. I can't do that. Alright, if you're white out there, you might want to try it. But, but anyway, the point is, the lawyer in question here, this is not his first time being in trouble with the bar. This lawyer has a temper problem. He tends to get a little crazy from time to time. He was suspended just a few years earlier for 60 days. Why? For leaving abusive voicemails to his clients. And just so we're clear here, uh, this isn't some sensitive client who just, you know, you hurt my feelings. By the way, the dispute is over money. The lawyer has agreed to represent the client in a criminal matter for a flat fee of $3,500. It's taking longer than the lawyer thinks it will. He wants another $500. The father of the defendant has been paying this bill, and the father doesn't want to pay another $500. But he is willing to pay another $300. So for this extra $200, this lawyer loses his mind. Here are some of the things he leaves on the father's voicemail. You are a piece of garbage. All black people are alike. You're slovenly, ignorant. Now remember, let's be clear. We talked about this in the primary season. Black people are not a monolith. Anyway, another quote. You better give me my money or your son's case is going to be delayed. I'm sick of you, you piece of S something else. I don't know who's the biggest B word. And he didn't say B word. You or your family. Ooh, damn. There was family in there? Low class N words. Once again, he does not do the N word part. He said it out. I can't say it because I'm not a rapper, but apparently this lawyer and the rappers can say it. You call me with this stupid S? You have until five on Thursday. Bring a 300, no, $500 check, or on Friday, I will withdraw. You are a, a kitty cat. Not the word he used. They are going to writ him over. I tried to tell your stupid A. Once again, he said it out. Other lawyers would charge $10,000 for this case. Start planning for another lawyer. Then he gets really personal. You're ugly, low-class, ignorant. I'll finish with you when he gets off. Um, none of these things are appropriate. Even if, by the way, if the client's daddy is ugly, you're still not allowed to say it. But what bothers me is the fact that this lawyer had been practicing again. Remember, this happened five years ago, and he had done his time. And somehow, after two months in the penalty box, he said, hey, he's fine. Uh, Illinois, this fool is not fine. You want to give him a year now, I promise you, in two years, he's going to be beating up an elderly black lady and calling her names. All right? You need to stop it. This fool will not listen. This man has ego issues. It's interesting because there was, I saw a newspaper account, and he was asked, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you cursing out, for instance, this five years ago, the client and his daddy? And he said, they disrespected me. Really? That's how you handle disrespect? 
Uh, I'm going to tell you, you guys a little secret. When people disrespect you, the good news is it's not about you. People don't know you well enough to know all the reasons they really should hate you. When people get mad at you, they are just lashing out. They're having a bad day. And you can make their bad day your bad decade by acting a fool like this guy. Our next nominee is in the category of the Outlawyer Award. As you might remember, we give this award every year to lawyers who forget that a very big part of the word lawyer is that law part. And if you commit a criminal act, you're going to spend some time, maybe not in jail, although you often should, but certainly in the penalty box. Nominee here is the movie Up in Smoke, starring the legendary Chi Chin Chong. Crabs, man. Lost me. <laughs> Where I got rolled out in the window, man. There you go. Where's the anchor? How much did it weigh? I don't know. I forgot. You forgot? <laughs> I saw that on the movie. What? <laughs> I get the, get the Can thing. I see your license, sir? What? Your license. Where's your license? It's on the bumper, man, back there, man. No, I mean your driver's license. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I got my driver's license, man. <laughs> that just sounded so real funny, man. Yeah, your mama. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, what is your name? What? What? What's your name? Isn't it on there on the license, man? Yeah, that's it. Pedro de Pacas, man. That's my name. Uh, <laughs> just wait here a minute, huh? Hey, hurry back. I miss you already, darling. Come on, man. I gotta get rid of this dope, man. Don't act a fool. Oh, okay. We're gonna get busted up with And this case involves an Illinois lawyer who happens to live in Michigan. He finds out through a friend that another gentleman is running a grow house. I say a grow house, I mean he's growing marijuana at a particular property. And the lawyer decides that, you know what? Forget this law practice and all these rules and regulations and laws. I've always been a fan of the movie Scarface and the TV shows Breaking Bad and Weeds. You know what? I'm gonna sell me the weeds. And so he contacts the grow house operator and says, you know, how much can I buy this from you? I want to buy your operation, buy you out. And sure enough, he pays him a hundred grand for the operation and starts running his own grow house. The problem, of course, is that if you're growing a lot of pot in your residential property, your neighbors might get a little suspicious. The police got a little suspicious. There's always this caravan of slow moving cars coming out of the property. They eventually get a warrant, bust in, find 241 pot plants. Now this is Michigan, so that means that 240 of them at least are too many. They find grow lights, fans, work tables, power tools, a scale, pH meter. I don't even know how that works, but I guess you don't want to have too much acid or base in your weed. And then I love this. Uh, they also found marijuana growing instructions and a calendar related to the grow operation. Now, I don't know, this is weed, TV weed at least, one-on-one. You don't keep the records and the product in the same place. Come on, do you not see New Jack City? You see what happened there, right? Come on, Pookie. Anyway, the lawyer is arrested. He is tried and convicted. Now, he somehow only gets a year in jail. He's charged up on multiple charges, three charges, and they give him a year and then two half years but that doesn't equal two years because they make them all run concurrently. 
But what he is going to be running from is the Illinois bar. They've already started their plaint. He's caught dead to rights. But even more, it's going to be hard to argue. Because it's one thing to use marijuana recreationally. But you cannot go into the drug business. Couple reasons. One, that's a young person's game. This lawyer is too old to be standing on a street corner, right, with a beeper. You want to make sure you do your drug dealing in your 20s, 30s at the most. But more importantly, this shows blatant disregard for the rule of law. Also, because he's licensed in Illinois, where pot is actually legal. He could have come there, set up a legal dispensary. Could have done that in about 30 other states. He decides to go to one of the seven states that still penalizes marijuana use and have his own grow operation. I imagine the profit margins are a little larger there, but also the penalties. So this is an ex-lawyer. I hope he enjoys watching Cheech and Chong because he's got a lot of time. You can watch all of the whole Cheech and Chong trilogy. Good luck, brother. And this week's final nominee is a movie called Another Man's Wife. This is in the category for worst love scene. And as you know, these are lawyers who break my favorite rule in the canon. Those of you who are not lawyers, you should understand that there is a rule. Rule 1.8J. You don't care about the numbers, but it's my favorite rule. It just makes me tingle just to say it. 1.8J. And the rule basically says that a lawyer can't sleep with a client. What I love about the rule is not that it allows me to play a hate, although that's always fun too. But what I love about the rule is that it's built on a supposition. And I don't know if it's true, but I so desperately want it to be true. Because the supposition behind this rule is that us lawyers are very sexy. Mm-hmm. The thought is that no rational person could be expected to resist our charms. We're so interesting, persuasive, and magnetic that the state bar had to pass a bright line rule that would protect the client from the sexiness. Because otherwise, all the clients are just going to get all up on this. Now, interestingly enough, not every state follows the rule. A few states looked at that proposed rule, so the ABA model rules, and when they adopted in their state, they had the ability to do some freestyle, like a la carte, take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they looked at that rule and were like, uh, nah, bro, you keep that. Apparently, uh, those lawyers are not so sexy. They need all the help they can get. The policy of those state bars is if you can get it, go for it. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me. But New Jersey, by the way, is one of these ugly states where the lawyers need all the help they can get. They don't have a specific rule. That would have worked well for this lawyer, except he broke another cardinal rule. And that is, do not try to sleep with the client's wife. A couple hires this lawyer to help get them out of some financial problems. They have a civil case filed against them. And he decides he's going to give them you know, bedside manner service. Well, at least the wife. Bites wife over to his place, says, come on over here, we're going to deal with this. Come on to my bedroom and work this out. And she feels very uncomfortable about it. Goes home and tells her husband about it. Says, hey, you need to talk to him. And he said, I'll talk to him. I'll handle it. He doesn't handle it well because right after, the lawyer sends a friend request to the wife on Facebook. Says, hey, can we be BFFs? And then as soon as she says yes, he jumps in her DMs and starts uh, sending her, how do I say this, uh, visual representations All the type of service he'd like to provide. Am I being indelicate enough about this? To make stupid worse, the lawyer is as bad at law as he is at seduction. He's not doing the work he's supposed to do for them. He's not filing the appropriate paperwork. He's even belligerent 
and at one point is yelling at her in the presence of the judge. All of that said, he does not get suspended for trying to come on to the client, sending new pictures, etc. Somehow in New Jersey, that'd be fine. What he gets in trouble for is his conviction for cocaine possession. As you can imagine, there might be a reason why the lawyer is acting this ridiculous. And there is a reason. He's in the throes of a substance abuse problem. It's affected him in a number of ways. He's lost his home, living in low-income housing. He eventually goes home to Florida to just move in with his parents and just try to regroup. But he doesn't really regroup. He just sort of finds a way to get in more trouble in Florida. And there is where he gets arrested for possession of cocaine. That is what's reported back to New Jersey. And there and he gets reciprocal discipline there. But the larger issue I want to talk about is this conflict of interest, trying to sleep with the client's wife, because I wish I could say it's the only time this has happened. It's not the only time it happened this week. I don't know what it is, if it's a sense of thrill or victory. I don't know why anyone thinks that the person who's paying you 300 bucks an hour should be doing so for you to try to sleep with their wife. I don't know if you understand this, guys, but normally the payment goes the other way. All right, You don't get paid to do that. And if you found a way to get paid to do that, holler at your boy. All right, I'm, I can give up this legal humor thing. <laughs> anyway, there's a technical term you lay people probably don't know, but it describes what lawyers are supposed to avoid here, and those are conflicts of interest, which is not actually that technical of a term. I think we all understand what it means. But lawyers ain't getting so much trouble in these cases because it's obvious you're wrong. No one in the world is going to say, well, you should be able to sleep with the person's spouse. The person's paying you money. And as a result, lawyers will go to incredible means to try to hide these things. My favorite example of this was an Illinois lawyer a few years ago. He's representing the husband in a divorce, and he decides that he would like to sleep with the wife. Now, that's bad. Not only because he's sleeping with the client's wife, but it's also the opposing party. He's literally sleeping with the enemy. The client must apparently be a faithful listener of this podcast because the client says to the lawyer, hey, I know you're wrong here. Sean told me about Rule 1.8J and 1.7A and all the conflicts of interest, and I'm going to report you to the bar. You're losing your license. At this point, the lawyer gets panicked and says, i got to figure out how to keep my license. And he decides really the only way to handle this the only way I think any of us would rationally choose to handle this is to hire a hitman. That's right, he's going to hire a hitman to take out the client. Now, the lawyer, it's his first time. He doesn't really know how this works, and so he doesn't do what the rest of us would do. We'd go on hitman.com. He doesn't know about that. Instead, he goes to Craigslist, and he finds out what all of us already know, that nobody on Craigslist is who they say they are. He puts up his ad desperately seeking single white female hitman, whatever. And he gets a hit. A guy says, hey, I'll do the hit for you. And I'm only going to charge you 20 grand, which I hear is a pretty good price. Maybe it's a recession. I don't know. Although a recession would explain why the hitman is so gracious. He's willing to work out payment terms. Rather than 20 grand up front, all he needs is three easy low payments of 66666. Set it and forget it, like Ron Propeal. And sure enough, they decide they're going to meet to do this transaction, this exchange, in a very secure place, a Walgreens parking lot. Here's a lesson to take from you, a practical lesson. 
You don't want to do these types of things in a Walgreens parking lot. That's not high class enough. You need to go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. Anyway, when the lawyer gets to the parking lot, he finds out that he has not been speaking to a hitman, but rather an undercover ATF agent. Oops. Now this lawyer has six to seven years to really rethink all of this. But the bottom line is this all happens because a lawyer had this crazy idea that someone should pay you 300 bucks an hour to sleep with their spouse. Nobody's spouse is that annoying, people. All right, you, you can't charge that. At least cut your fee in half. Or maybe not engage in these type of conflicts. One of the things interesting is when I hear a conflict like this, I know what's happened. The lawyer has gotten the lawyer-client relationship totally backwards. They began to think of it from the standpoint of what's in it for me. It's actually the other way around. And the basic thing, I think, for most clients is that they'd be happy, I think, at the very least, if you don't sleep with their spouse. So take that with you. That's one to grow on. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, C-L-E dot com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or at the Ethi Awards. And we thank you so much. See you next time.